Hi there, I'm Keith Cauley, and this is Thrive, a Bridgestone America's podcast where we explore our company through compelling conversations with teammates across our organization. We're starting to pick up speed on the road to realize our North Star strategy and sustainable solutions vision at Bridgestone. The past few months across the end of 2021 and start of 2022 have seen a host of exciting announcements putting a few new pieces into play for our larger portfolio puzzle. Today, we talk to two people who are helping Bridgestone navigate our strategic roadmap amid an always evolving mobility landscape. Michael Molitor and Charlotte Amori both work on the corporate development team that helps identify, cultivate, and deliver on those bold moves that we're making for our future. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, we are joined today uh, by two folks from our corporate development office, and we're going to talk about strategy, right? We're going to build the picture. We're going to put the puzzle together to some degree about all the moving and shaking that is happening at Bridgestone. But we are joined uh, across the table from myself here by Michael Molitor, uh, the vice president of corporate development. Michael, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Yeah. And here closest to me uh, on the middle of the table is Charlotte Amori. Charlotte is the director of corporate development. Great to have you here, Charlotte. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So we'll start like we always do. We want to get to know our guests, learn a little bit about your background and your point of view and the topic that we're going to be talking about. So Charlotte, let's start with you. What has your journey been? How did you end up in corporate development and then specifically in corporate development at Bridgestone? Sure, absolutely. So I joined Bridgestone uh, full 2020 Mm -hmm. as director of corporate development. Uh, Prior to that, I was at KKR, which is a private equity firm for a number of years. And while I was at KKR, I had the opportunity to help launch their impact fund, which was investing in companies that did good for the world, but were also good commercial companies. And as part of that, I I got very interested in this idea that you could do good and do well. Mm. And when looking for my next move and, you know, kind of looking at what Bridgestone was doing, that that thesis around, you know, incorporating sustainability into the long-term company vision was really attractive to me. Had you heard of the, the uh, Paolo uses the phrase originally, obviously, from our global uh, founder in Japan, but what's good for society is good for business, Paolo says a lot. Had you heard that before you started with Bridgestone? No, but I really like it. <laughs> it sounds like a, a nice synergy mm-hmm. there as well. How was the, uh, was it difficult to kind of onboard and get going? I mean, fall of 2020 sounds like a great time to join a new company. <laughs> it, yes, it was. Uh, luckily, everybody was very nice. We set up a lot of, you know, somewhat awkward one-on-one meetings uh, via Teams. But, uh, you know, it's been really great in the last few months being able to come into the office more often and yeah. actually meet people in person. Rolling through. See, just a, a year and a half in and you're starting to see that people have, you know, they wear shoes and we you know, we can see the full body. It's great. Michael, what about you? What's your journey been? You're actually uh, even more recent at Bridgestone, but what's what's your path to, to the current role? Yeah. So my journey, um, I've been in M&A my entire career. Uh, my first job was with a company called Mesero Financial, where we were doing investment banking and helping uh, owners sell their businesses. In 2010, I transitioned to work for a family office, the, the Crown Family of Chicago, and, and worked on the buy side, so more in a private equity capacity. And then in 2012, had the opportunity to go work for a portfolio company for that family office. So it was a a company called Great Dane Trailers, led their corporate development group, um, and was able to do M&A in more of an operational setting there. And so thinking through how to strategically use M&A to enter new markets or or add capabilities to the business. 
the other thing I did with Great Dane is I spent the last few years with them building out a, a telematics platform. So we were looking at M&A opportunities in the telematics space similar to Azuga. We ultimately made the decision to build it in-house. So I think my, my passion for, for telematics and mobility solutions was, was born there. And then just last September, uh, seven months ago, had the opportunity to join Bridgestone as vice president of corporate development and get to lead a team of amazing individuals that are focused on using M&A to help get to uh, Bridgestone 3.0. Sounds are also just like Charlotte. There's a couple of quick connections there and some of the terminology, some of the big areas of the business that we're going into. We've talked about through the North Star and this vision moving forward. M&A background, consulting around strategy. I think, you know, when people think about Bridgestone traditionally, it's, oh, they're either a tire company or they're a manufacturing company. And I think that's part of this larger conversation we've been having with Northstar and the vision of our global CEO is we're looking at co-creation, but we're looking at mergers and acquisitions, shaping the portfolio. I mean, what were your initial thoughts, Charlotte? We'll start with you about like Bridgestone in a space of like corporate strategy M&A. Like, did that really seem like a fit or something you had thought about at the start? What I thought, what I, when I learned more about Bridgestone, I realized that we do much more than just tires mm-hmm. and we really play an interesting role in the broader mobility landscape. Yeah. And so I was thinking, well, that, that whole ecosystem is changing so much. Mm-hmm. And really Bridgestone's on the offense on a lot of that change. And so realizing that we had that great opportunity to, to be proactive and to do more in the space was really exciting. And then also the opportunity to work for a company with that very long-term vision, the resources, the conviction to actually, you know, make significant moves in the space uh, was all that, you know, I maybe didn't know about Bridgestone before <laughs> I started learning more, but now uh, I'm really happy to, to be here. Yeah. And I guess for you, Michael, that strategy had started to take some small steps forward by the time you joined. So you at least, I guess, got to read a little bit about what Paolo and, and Chu Ishibashi's envision were. But I, I guess, did you ever traditionally think of Bridgestone as a big player in the M&A space in that regard? You know, I, I had a little familiarity just because we were, we bought tires from Bridgestone at Great Dane. And to be candid, I was I was looking at a couple different opportunities before joining Bridgestone. And for me, it was the people uh, first and foremost. And what I thought was unique about Bridgestone is talking with Paolo and, and everybody on down everybody was singing the same song in terms Mm -hmm. of this is the vision and strategy. And to Charlotte's point, there was conviction and a desire to deploy capital and use M&A as a way to accelerate that vision. Life's too short not to enjoy the people you work with. (laughs) And so after going through the interview process with Bridgestone, that's when uh, it started to be a really compelling opportunity for me. And, And as Charlotte mentioned, there's a lot going on in our industry in terms of electrification, autonomy, connectivity, and all these trends that that Bridgestone is very well positioned to take advantage of and go on the offense. Yeah. Well, I hope that the podcast experience, I hope it's not downhill from here on like the, the enjoying working with people. We'll try to make this as smooth and seamless as possible. But I guess as, as we talk about that, then that reshaping of the portfolio, finding that core portfolio, uh, what did, I guess if somebody were to ask you, like, what is that strategy or what is that direction that Bridgestone's been moving to? How would you describe it to them? Well, I think it was done before my time, so all the mm-hmm. hard work was done. But that uh, sale of Firestone Building Products was the first step, the first big step in that journey. And I think it was a good example of a business that's probably better off in the hands of somebody else that is focused, laser focused on those end markets and its core to their business versus Bridgestone and, and our North Star strategy. Um, we, we generated a significant amount of cash and capital from that sale. And so we can now look to to deploy it and, and really change the, the narrative for Bridgestone through M&A. 
And so co-creation then has been a big part. There is, there's a merger uh, and acquisition part of it as we look to find companies that are a good fit to bring fully into the portfolio. But then there's also who do we partner with to kind of co-create together where we don't need to bring them all the way in, but we try to work together. How has this started to, to take shape? How do we approach thinking around that and how it all, that's a lot of different pieces to try to fit into the puzzle, right? We're playing in all these areas that are rapidly changing. If you think about mobility, if you think about sustainability and we Bridgestone brings so much to the table, but we're also realizing there's a lot that we we still need to learn, or we you know we can uh, better leverage someone else and someone else's expertise. And I think that's what makes the corporate development role really mm. exciting and fun because we get to go work with the business units and say, what is your vision? What do you want to do? And then we can help them figure out: does that is that something we need to control through an acquisition? Is that something we need to? co-develop through a joint venture, a JDA, or some other, you know, type of contract? Is it a minority investment into a growing company? Or maybe we're, we have an organic initiative that we want to help raise capital for from outside sources. And so we have a ton of flexibility in terms of our mandate and, you know, really finding solutions that can best serve Bridgestone, mm-hmm. our partners, and the end customer. When you're having these conversations, maybe approaching or, or starting a touch base to learn more about a p- potential partner or somebody we might want to in- look into acquiring, do you feel like people understand Bridgestone and its vision is, or are a lot of them only seeing us as what they traditionally know us as, which, oh, it's tires on a vehicle, right? I think it depends who you're talking to. Um, you know, our our core partners, our good partners, know us as much more sure. than just that. When we're um, moving into these newer spaces, some people their right question, their first question might be, why? <laughs> but it's I say the story that you know and the vision that we're pursuing is very compelling, and it's a quite quick conversation to get people to understand why we're passionate and why we're moving. You know. Um, in this direction. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the the announcements that have been made. I mean, it's been a busy, even since you, since Michael started, you know, seven months ago or so, it's been a very active, uh, a couple of close of Q4 in 2021 and the start of uh, 2022. And we look at those across the ABC model. So Charlotte, as you said, it's depending on who you're talking to. We're talking to some people who are in the core A area and they understand the tire manufacturing side of it and the role we play. But then the B and the C and tire-centric data capture solutions, mobility solutions, right, as we we kind of go up the ladder to everybody, a lot of different players in that. So I, I guess, Michael, let's start with you. We'll kind of go through some of these and see where they fit in the puzzle. So Yoshi, and I always want to make sure I just kind of describe things correctly. So I've made some notes for myself. We, we did talk to Firestone Direct and Angie Olson a couple of episodes ago on the podcast. That's our in-house, that is our business in like the mobile concierge space. But Yoshi then, a little bit different, a mobile car care company, but it was strategic investment is what we announced in them. Where do they fit in all yeah, this? Yeah. So Yoshi, is a, a mobile service um, kind of bring fuel to you. So they bring mm-hmm. gasoline to your home or place of business. I would say it's it's different from, from Firestone Direct and Wrench in that they use fuel as their what they call Trojan horse. So they get customers in to subscribe and then go and upsell things like car wash, tire checks, oil changes. And so 
you know, the, the really compelling thing about Yoshi is that they touch the, the vehicle or, or visit the consumer 3.7 times a month. So significantly more frequently than a, hmm. a Wrench or Firestone Direct would do. And so without delving too much into the strategy, you can yeah. think about us partnering with Yoshi to get them to check tread depth and, and tire pressure at least once a month with these consumers so that we can start to forecast when people might need to get a, a set of tires changed. And our strategy, the, the concierge vision we have is to bring any and all services to consumers at, at home or their place of business. Obviously, fuel is the most frequent service you need, and so it filled the void for us. So for Yoshi, it was all about partnership and co-creation with them. Yeah. And you mentioned Wrench in there, too. That one was just a couple of months before at the at the end of last year. How does how are they different from a Yoshi and from a, a Firestone Direct? It, yeah. It's similar in that you know the vision is to have a marketplace, right, where the consumer can access any service. And Wrench does certain things very well, and Yoshi obviously does gasoline, and Wrench doesn't do that. So it's bringing these partners together on a central platform to serve the customer. Yeah. And I'm going to guess it works really well from a BSRO network perspective where it, it could lead to business opportunities and joint options down the road because of our network in that brick and mortar side being so vast. Yep, absolutely. Accurate? A ton of cross referrals here. Trying to, I always try to put the pieces together and make sure I understand things correctly, right? So so in March then is Tyrata was the next one that we came out with. So Charlotte, a little bit about Tyrata. So a tire sensor data management company is what I have written down, but I've seen the pictures where it's it's a piece of technology on the ground that you can drive over and it gauges tread depth. Is that accurate? That's exactly right. Tread depth, uh, irregular wire patterns. And what is exciting about this is right now, if you know, to get tread reading, it's either extraordinarily expensive to put in a mat like this, hmm. or you have to go out and what most you know uh, people do is just go out and manually check tread. This is a way for a yard to automatically manage your tread depth. And this will allow them to have safer and more sustainable operations. And it also provides Bridgestone the data, you know, to, to better understand what our customers' needs are and to serve them in new types of business models. Yeah, I, I like that one because as we talk to some teammates and help them try to understand the ABC, you know, a lot of times people don't see how maybe all of them fit together or how you start at the bottom and work your way up. But that's one in in Tyrata that you're capturing data from the tire with kind of a B-level solution that will eventually get plugged into a C-level solution and it just kind of connects top to bottom, yeah? Exactly. And it helps enable a more responsible purchasing of our core tires. So that was in March. And then, Michael, we came back a couple of weeks after that, uh, also in March, and it was May Mobility. And so this is a little bit different, right? Because we talk about the world of autonomous driving. We did make a strategic investment in Kodiak back in 2021, but that was in the commercial trucking autonomous driving space, which I think if we look at the industry, like there's a, a lot of opportunity there for sure. But May Mobility is more on the consumer vehicle space. Where does What is that and where does it fit in? Yeah, so you're spot on. So an autonomous tech company that's focused on shuttles and low speed uh, vehicles, so under 30 miles per hour hmm. versus you look at Kodiak. Kodiak, and that's Class 8 uh, autonomous trucking at, at highway speeds. And so very similar thesis. I think the one thing or the few things that got us excited about May, to your point, Keith, is that going up and down the ABC model with May. So May Mobility will use Bridgestone tires, so serves the core business. May Mobility will embed our tire-centric uh, solutions into their tires, and we can co-create with them and look at algorithms for autonomous vehicles. 
our retail network, BSRO, is going to help service uh, May Mobility vehicles and start to figure out, all right, with the world of autonomy, how do we how do we participate there? What's important? And so it's I think it's rare to have an investment opportunity where you can go check the box down down the line. So it's yeah, have it. Uh, the investment was a couple months ago, but really excited to to see where we can take it. Yeah, we, when we did talk a couple episodes on this season as well about emerging OEs and and Brooke Helsley from BSRO was talking about how. There's opportunities with most of those emerging OEs are in electric vehicle spaces. And so trying to help our BSRO network, you know, get that data to work on those cars of the future that are coming. I, I, I don't think it's probably the same to work on an autonomous vehicle as it is just your normal internal combustion engine and the like. Right? No, you got to learn that over you're, time. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's, there is a lot of emerging OE players, both in EVs and autonomous, and, and nobody really knows where it's going to land. But that's why we're Bridgestone's making these types of investments so we can see what five, 10 years out looks like. Yeah, and I, I think that was an initial question too. We did the the Indie Autonomous Challenge in uh, the second half of 2021, where it was autonomous cars racing at the Indie Motor Speedway, which we have history of with Firestone Racing. But a lot of people were asking like, what do you get from that, right? Well, it's uh, the same as any of these strategic investments. It's a growing space. And so I'm sure you get that question all the time, like, what do we get out of that? But it's a lot, a lot of learning, number exactly. one, and then trying to see as we anticipate where it goes. Is yep, that fair? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Charlotte, the last one, the most recent one before we're talking today is Lonza Tech. And so this one is, I don't think it's anywhere in that ABC, but it's, uh, we always talk about sustainability being across all of the areas of our North Star and all the areas of our business. And so this is a more sustainability focused partnership. I could probably try to, to try to explain it, but it's, it's about taking tires at the end of their life, recycling them, uh, working with Lonza Tech to use a technology they have to, uh, I guess, break down the tires and create materials that will go back into tires from the front end. So material circularity, right, is what this one's all about. That's the key word. Yes. No, I, um, <laughs> it is about material circularity, but it is also about finding a better usage for end-of-life tires. What I'm very excited about our Lanzatech partnership is I think you see, I mean, Bridgestone is the leader in the industry, but, but really being the leader in the good and the ugly. And the ugly part of our industry is the end-of-life tire waste. And so recognizing that that's a problem today for society, for the environment, and taking ownership of that and saying we need to be also part of the solution. And again, as we were talking earlier, you know, we can't go out this alone. And so finding a company like Lanzatech, which we went to them first as a great technology partner, in working with them, we've realized they're also a great commercial partner for us and saying, let's let's really build something you know, together and that we can help solve what is an industry need. At the same time, we're also solving for raw material circularity, like you said. So it's a nice win-win opportunity with this partnership angle. Yeah. Well, I think it's something we have some projects or some initiatives with, you know, BSRO has tires forward and we're, we're trying to recycle tires. But to, like you said, how do you then take them and turn them into something that goes in the circle? We talk about the reuse, renew, recycle, right, of, of all of those d- different platforms and sustainability. I think there's probably a lot of, there's a lot of science there that I don't understand. We had Bill Nayur on uh, to talk about Waiuli. Uh, and he's our, I think, director of material circularity or material economy circularity. He's got a great engineering title. But, you know, I've I've been on a couple of calls where he's tried to explain a lot of this. And I mean, it is, but it is, it's really advanced. It's a lot of science and how they will break down the tires, but really just setting up a whole ecosystem for the future. Yeah. 
And I'd say I am so lucky to work with Bill and the the broader team to actually who understand that. They have given me <laughs> exactly, chem- chemistry right? 101 probably five times. And I think the best thing I can do now is correctly pronounce butadiene. Yeah. See, that's why I have not said that by mm. design. I've, I've strategically spoken around it here. That's my own corporate strategy approach right there. But but really, I'd say this is a project that, that you know, came from from Bill's, Bill's team and and then that's where we're seeing a lot of this progress. It comes from this technical side. It comes from trying to solve that problem and then bringing in the strategy, the corporate development team to say, okay, how do we commercialize it? How do we build something of, of scale? And that's got to be fun to the point of, we talk about M&A, we're looking for people to go out and bring in or we're looking for people to partner with. But there's a lot that we probably have in-house that we've been trying and we just need somebody to take us to the next level. That's fair? That's exactly it. Yeah. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep pushing on this forward. I know, Michael, we talked about you joining in like September. As you take a step back and look at the seven months, uh, it's got to be a tornado. Man. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it's been fast paced, but it's you know what's made it easier is that the you know the executive team in Palo um, are willing to make some bets, right? And some the reality is not all of these are going to be home runs, but anything we do, we will learn a tremendous amount from and helps us de-risk things, right? So we can see what's coming in five years and 10 years and start to pivot kind of the, the mothership based on those learnings. And so it's been nice to walk into an organization that's that's optimized for that and has a commitment to it. Yeah. And I know it's been something that we try to work at as a company because a lot of times you can get very conservative, you know, having the mindset of, we can try something and it's okay if it doesn't work. And that does that's not everywhere, right? Right. right. <laughs> so. No, it's it's a uh, it's a strategic asset. It's I've I haven't seen it in many public companies. Most public companies are very conservative. They're worried about quarterly results and, and that is not the case here. Well, and I was going to ask you, you touched on it a little bit, Charlotte, but we look at like all of these announcements that have been made, partnerships, acquisitions, you know, Azuga was one that we made at the end of last year was an actual acquisition that Michael had mentioned. You all have your hands in some of these to a degree and they're all across the board. So you you said you got a chemistry 101 lesson from Bill, but they all seemingly probably have their own complexities to understand the business that you're talking to. How do you navigate, I guess, getting up to speed on the subject matter as you jump from one to the next? It's really what makes the job so (laughs) fun is that every day I get to work with, you know, different teams across Bridgestone who are the foremost experts in their field and honestly get to listen and, and learn from them. And I think that's actually, it's a really important point because everything that we're talking about it's not corp dev doing that on our own. You know, we we are so fortunate to work so closely with the business units and I don't need to be an expert in chemistry. You're welcome, everyone. Um, <laughs> but that's, we get to work with people that that are experts in R&D, in, in tax, in finance, strategy, whatever that means, whatever we need. Um, and so it's, uh, while sometimes it could be a little bit overwhelming, it's very fortunate that we have, you know, just so many great people to lean on. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that people don't even really think about. They, you know, these relationships and deals and partnerships just happen, right? You identify it and you go, there's a lot of I's, there's a lot of T's, there's all of that stuff behind the scenes that isn't the sexy stuff, like the but- the butadiene, is that, did that, I say that? that? That's the sexy stuff. That's the sexy <laughs> stuff. It's not the the, the forms and the, the tax and the legality of all of this stuff. It's the butadiene. Am I saying that's the meaning of that correctly? That's Ooh, right. We'll have to 
pass, Bill. Bill will not be. Bill will tell me to stop. He's not going to be proud of me at all. But we'll get it right over the over the years. Well, to to wrap up, I think you know we always. This is where we've been the last several months. I mean, there's obviously a lot of things moving and and revolving as we go. But what is the big picture as we look forward? I guess Michael, as you would paint the next one to three years of of Bridgestone. I'm going to guess a lot more of what we're seeing, but I guess how would you generally describe it to people who are curious? Yeah, I think there's there's certainly a sense of urgency to do things. I would say that we continue to to test and iterate, and we're always trying to figure out what is the right thesis. and And it's a it's a dynamic industry, so I, I wouldn't say that we we have we've prescribed what the next 12 to 18 months look like from an M and A standpoint because you never know what's going to become available. But what I would encourage the the listeners to do is to bring ideas forth from the customers, right? So, you know, as as they look at the customer experience, dissect what's working for them, what's not working for them. Are there software solutions out there that uh, potentially under Bridgestone's umbrella might improve the customer experience? And so, you know, we are. I'm not a big proponent of waiting for bankers or management consultants to bring us <laughs> ideas. I'd rather them come from the business, right? Yeah. And so we have we have a number of folks that that do that today and bring really good ideas, and we've we've acted on them. I'll caveat that we don't want to 20 names from every trade show that people go to. <laughs> We'd like a little bit of a thesis there, but that's those are the ideas we want, and hopefully the next big acquisition or investment comes from from organically. Yeah, that's that's got to be the environment, right? Where it kind of comes in from all sides holistically, but also to your point, organically, where people feel free to throw out ideas. And I know that as we look, as people familiarize themselves more with the North Star and with that direction of what sustainable solutions means, they might start to connect those dots a little bit better. And that's a lot of what we've been trying to do here, you know, understanding where these things fit for the larger scale of the company and going from there. So hopefully it will. We'll keep soliciting uh, email suggestions on the podcast and I'll be sure to pass through anything. No thesis on this side though. You're just going to get, <laughs> you're going to get names and names and email addresses. Be the it. dying. And, well, We'll, we'll get it. We'll get it there sometime. To wrap up, is there anything like you feel in, in your relatively short times at Bridgestone, but from what you thought it was or what it was when you came in versus now where it is, have you learned anything about uh, Bridgestone or has Bridgestone, you think, learned anything about itself going through this process that might have been very different from where we've been in the past? I'm happy to start. Yeah. You know, when I, when I just joined, and we've now talked a lot about partnerships, but I'd say when I first joined, that was not a topic that we talked so much about. I think we were still very much in the mindset of acquisition, controlling a company. And it's been really heartening to see over the last year and a half that I think we've become not just open to more partnerships, but actually proactively, you know, going to find those and, you know, really being able to be creative about finding a win-win or a win-win-win-win situation, you know, solution for Bridgestone, our partners, and then, of course, the boss. Yeah. It, uh, for me, it's been as advertised, right? I think the, you know, the people told me this coming in, but this organization's ability to move with speed has been proven out, right? And I, you know, you could have, I was skeptical coming into that. Hmm. Uh, honestly, when I accepted the posi position, I think they announced the Azuga acquisition and, and wrenched that same week. So yeah. for me, it was just to come in and not mess it up and keep the momentum. But, uh, you know, I'm happy to be here and I haven't looked back. Yeah. And I, th I think we'll see a lot of these pieces fit together and start to make a lot of sense as we see it come through. You talk about the sustainability factor was something that was important to you. It's obviously important to our global CEO, to, to uh, Paolo and our leaders here in BSAM, but 
you know, Lanza Tech is very specific, seemingly, in the sustainability space, but they're all then the North Star model, sustainability is in all of these things to some degree, and it all connects, at least in that vein. Yeah. And and it's and it's economic, right? Yeah. It's we're making the smart business decisions that are also the right environmental and societal decisions. Yeah. What's good for society, it's good for business, Charlotte. So I've heard. That's what we that's what we believe. It is it is and it's what we're living right now, which is great. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to help explain this uh to to paint the larger picture as uh, an exciting time. Obviously a lot like that's just in the last 7 months trying to put them all in sequence for people and and help them understand a little bit about what's coming in and going, but Michael, thank you so much for a few minutes and Charlotte, thank you for the time. Thank as you. Well. Thank you. So certainly much more to come with the realization of these recent announcements as we see them come to life. But also, we're likely to see some additional announcements to come that will continue to build out the strategic sustainable solutions portfolio in the months to come. If you like this conversation, be sure to check out some of our other episodes wherever it is you listen to podcasts. That includes some additional conversations kind of like this, such as the acquisition of Azuga, where we talked to Mobility Solutions President Brian Goldstein, or the connecting the dots of our larger North Star strategy with Chief Technology Officer Nizar Triggy. While you're checking those out, go ahead and give us a rating or a review. And as noted, in season three now, you can also watch some of our episodes via the Bridgestone America's YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com slash Bridgestone Americas or search Bridgestone Americas in the YouTube search bar. And of course, you can always reach us via email if you have a question, an idea, or something you're interested in hearing more about. Just send a note to thrivepodcast at bfusa.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Keith Cauley reminding you to keep on keeping on and remember that at Bridgestone, today, tomorrow, together, we thrive. Be good, everybody.